0: Well, thanks for Kevin for reading that. Uh, Let's just pause uh, for a moment to pray. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful. Thank you that your word speaks. And so, Spirit of God, we just uh, worship you and invite you to move in our hearts and speak through your word today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me add my welcome to all of you and thanking you for, for being a part of our service today. It's a privilege for me as one of the pastors here at Forest Grove. My name is Don Fraze, and it's my privilege to continue our series on a Kingdom Culture, but actually a new chapter of that series in the summer we're calling it Kingdom Parables. So we're still in the book of Matthew, but now we're going to be focusing on the incredible stories of Jesus the parables that he told so well as the master storyteller. Commentator Rodney Reeves says, Jesus told stories to get people to see what is valuable, what is effective, what is eternal. To change people's minds about God and his kingdom. So before we get into the heart of the message, I thought we got to start a long weekend service with just a little bit of fun in how we're going to introduce this whole topic of parables for the summer. So what I'm going to do is have five different pictures flash before you, and I want you to be able to try to guess which parable of Jesus this picture depicts. So what we'll do, there's five of them. We'll give you 10 seconds per picture, and I invite you to use the chat feature. Let's make this a bit of a game and a contest. Let's see who can get it in there the fastest, the answer, if you can figure out uh, what these parables are. So, Spencer, are you ready? So here we go, picture number one you got 10 seconds. This is one of the easiest ones. Picture number two, from a beautiful scene to an animated scene. He's looking pretty messed up. You should be able to guess what this one is. Now, number three, this is a very famous Rembrandt painting, but it is depicting one of the famous parables of Jesus an absolutely beautiful and stunning piece of artwork. Number four, the random one. Can you get this? Just saying Pastor Kevin and Chander are in the room and are very stumped by this quiz. (laughs) And number five, one more animated shot. This might be the toughest one. All right, so are you ready? Got them in the chat or in your mind? Here you go. Here's the answer. So number one, that beautiful picture of the sheep, of course, was the parable of the lost sheep. Number two, the parable of the Good Samaritan. There's the Good Samaritan the roughed up guy. This is the parodical son. So again, this is the beautiful Rembrandt. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting depiction, but it is indeed the parodical son. And now the mystery one, this Yes, this is the mustard seed parable. So you see the little seed and how it grows up into the big tree. And then the last one is the unforgiving or the unmerciful servant. So that's a more obscure one, but it's one we're going to get to in Matthew. So these are just a few of the parables. There's many in Matthew, and our speakers throughout the summer are going to take us through some of these incredible parables, these stories of Jesus. So when Jesus changed his strategy and decided to become the parable teacher, his disciples were like, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you now teaching in parables? So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to go to that scripture, and in this introduction sermon, we're going to talk a little bit about why did Jesus use this literary tool of parable in order to communicate his kingdom and the gospel. So let's go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, And go down to verse 10, and we're going to read where the disciples ask, and Jesus begins to give an answer. So Matthew 13, starting at verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, "'Why do you speak to the people in parables?' He replied, "'Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven "'have been given to you, but not to them. "'Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance.'" Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Through see, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. So the disciples ask Jesus, "Why do you speak in parables?" And then he gives them what seems to be a somewhat cryptic answer right it's even this answer isn't just like super clear and plain and so we'll try to dig into a little bit and try to get the heart to the heart of why did Jesus use parables to speak and to, and to declare the kingdom and to declare the gospel So I want to begin by suggesting that parables actually create mystery and that As Jesus' words are here, parables are about the secrets of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, you have been, in a sense, selected or chosen to hear these incredible secrets of the kingdom, but some aren't able to hear these secrets or these mysteries of the kingdom. So what was he talking about? What, What are some of these secrets or mysteries of the kingdom? Well, you know, probably the main one was the message that Jesus had been giving all along about the kingdom. And that being that, you know what? The kingdom is actually here now. The kingdom is already happening in me and through me. My teaching, the miracles, everything that I've been um, both demonstrating and teaching is that the kingdom is present. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. And yet there's also this idea of a future kingdom. And so this whole idea of the kingdom being now and the kingdom being future was something that many didn't understand, but Jesus was saying, this is a part of the mystery or a part of the secrets of the kingdom. You see, the people of the day, their expectations of what they hoped the kingdom of God would be were so different than what Jesus was doing that they were just not not seeing it and not understanding it at all. You see, the people of the day, they thought kingdom was going to be a great king would come, rescue them from the Romans, and restore their great nation. They would have power and prestige and economic success. And and that was what they were hoping for and desiring as the kingdom. And yet Jesus comes along, and he's talking about all of these spiritual ideals. He's healing people. He's, He's speaking, and he's demonstrating such a different way of kingdom. And he's saying all these crazy things like, like loving your enemies and that the last will be first and the first will be last. And, and again, it was so unexpected that they were missing the secrets of the kingdom. The kingdom, they were missing it and the kingdom wasn't being revealed to them. And so that was part of what Jesus was saying to them, that the mystery would only be seen or understood by those who were open and those who are responsive. And that's why he's so encouraging to his disciples to say, stay in that heart posture. You see, the Greek word that is used here for secrets of the kingdom is actually the word mysteria, or which we would translate mysteries. And you know, I wonder how comfortable we are with mystery. You know, I grew up in a time when Christian faith and what we believed in That mystery wasn't a good thing. We wanted our faith to be be clear and precise. We wanted our faith to be rational. We wanted to have surety. So mystery isn't always a good thing. And yet, Jesus had so much mystery, and parables were often about mystery. So much of the Christian faith, I would suggest, is the beauty of mystery. The very fact that an all-powerful God who can create the universe can know us personally and live in us personally. Mystery. The very way God exists in what we call the Trinity. One God, but existing as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We try to explain it, but it's mystery. So Jesus taught and used parables because they created mystery and it was good. And it created, yes, it distanced some, but it also created and lured others to this just amazing way he wanted to communicate the secrets and the beauty of the kingdom he was revealing. So, one reason that Jesus spoke in parables was to create mystery and to bring the secrets of the kingdom to those who were open and ready to listen to him. Another reason that Jesus spoke in parables was that parables expose the heart. Just want to refer back to Matthew 13, 15, where Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah and saying, for this people's heart, has become calloused or hard. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. You see, Jesus was quoting an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah, that basic, and basically saying, you know what, the consequences of your rejection, the consequences of your hard hearts, your closed ears and eyes, means that the kingdom is going to be concealed, well-revealed to you. Just consider this quote from Rodney Reeves, a commentator. He says, Parables both conceal and reveal the kingdom of heaven all at the same time. You see, Jesus was saying that those, you disciples, those of you that are hearing and following me, your open and responsive hearts mean that the kingdom is being revealed to you. But those who come with closed ears and eyes, with closed and hard hearts, sadly, the kingdom is concealed to them. So Jesus is challenging all who will hear to listen and to understand with open hearts. You know, as I thought about this, I wondered in my own life, where, where have I become entrenched? Where have I allowed the views that I hold and the things that I, I hold dearly, my faith, my key worldviews, are there places where I've become entrenched? Now, when I talk to people and, and we talk about different views that people have and, and different strong faiths that people have, I admire those that have passion and those that are just so passionate about what they believe and so passionate about their views. And I also admire those who just have a, such a solid faith that there's just so much surety and, and just so much, so much of that in, in how they express their faith. And yet, you know, sometimes if passion or if that surety of our faith leads us to a place where we stop listening and we just become defensive and we only want to be around people who think or feel or have the same views as us, perhaps we've moved from passion and surety to an entrenchedness. And you know, that's what happened to the people who allowed their hearts to be hardened so they couldn't hear the secrets or understand the kingdom that Jesus was trying to express. And so the encouragement to us is, don't allow our hearts or our views to become entrenched. But let's consider our heart posture. Let's consider where is there openness and humility in what we believe and what we're passionate about. So Jesus taught in parables to create mystery, to reveal the secrets of the kingdom. And he taught in parables to expose the hearts of all of us who are the listeners. But I also want to suggest that Jesus presented parables like looking in a mirror. I just remind you of the text that Kevin read earlier about looking into God's word like a mirror. And so Jesus told these stories or their, these parables because he wanted to invite us to look into the story and actually see ourselves in the story. Now, the, the literary tool of the parable is not just used by Jesus. It was used by, by many teachers, um, both, both past and present. But there's also parables in the Old Testament. And I just want to refer to one parable in the Old Testament that is a very interesting way a parable is used as a mirror. Now, the text I'm going to go to is 2 Samuel chapter 12. But this is a text where God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan to King David. Now the scene of Nathan coming to David was a very charged scene because David had just committed a very horrible sin that had brought much displeasure from God and the nation. And basically what happened was that David had an affair with a married woman and then to cover it up, he had her husband be put in the front lines of battle so that he would be killed in the war that was going on. And that was a horrible event that happened. God was very displeased. And so God sent this prophet Nathan to go and confront David, and he told this parable. So you can read along with me. 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 to 7. should find it myself and read it here. So, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Can you imagine the tension of that moment? So here Nathan comes with this incredible story. And David, wanting to be a righteous man and a righteous king, was just just indignant by hearing this story and right away reacts. And then Nathan says, you are the man. I can only imagine the depth and, and wonder if the wisdom of Nathan bringing a parable was to allow David to be confronted in a way that created a deeper and a more meaningful response. Now, the difference between Nathan's strategy with the parable and Jesus's is that Jesus rarely points out in the story and points at the people and says, I'm talking about you. This is about you. In fact, Jesus actually leaves his listeners to figure it out on their own. He, wants, he invites us to see ourselves in the story. And what's interesting when we listen to parables or read any kinds of stories is we often like to see ourselves as the hero and seldom see ourselves as the villain. Now as I thought about this, I want to illustrate how the Holy Spirit spoke to me just this past week about looking into the mirror of a parable and looking at my own life and who I am in the parable. Now the parable that I'm going to talk about is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And just to, I'll just give you a, a brief um, description of that parable. So Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responded by telling this story. So Jesus said, there was a certain man who was on a trip. And while he was on the journey, he was attacked by a band of robbers who robbed him and left him for dead. Now as he was lying on the side of the road, a priest came by, but just walked away and walked around and went by little later, a Levite. Now a Levite was was like a a temple worker in the day. This temple worker, this Levite, also saw this man lying by the road but just walked by. But then a hated, despised Samaritan, the people group that the Jews hated the most. A A Samaritan came by, saw the injured man, and he immediately had pity on him. He wrapped up his wounds, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Then Jesus looked back at the leaders who were asking him, who is my neighbor? Because they were trying to justify themselves. And then they responded by saying, well, it was the one that showed the man mercy. And Jesus basically said, yes, now you know who your neighbor is. So I was thinking about that parable that had the Holy Spirit speak to me about where I see myself in that story. Now, in the middle of last week, when I first heard the story about the tragic news in southern Saskatchewan of the 751 unmarked graves of Indigenous people, my heart broke as I thought about this, as it has for many. Now, when I heard this story and heard, heard the news break, I wasn't familiar with the Cowessess First Nations, and so I needed to look up where it was. And I found out that it was very near a small town in southern Saskatchewan called Broadview. And this it immediately struck interest to me because I grew up in the neighboring town called Grenfell. I did my elementary school years there. And I would have gone to school less than an hour away from where this residential school was. And it just hit me thinking about that, that while I was having my incredible school experience as a safe elementary kid, that some of the tragedies were going on in a residential school less than an hour from where I was living. And so that really impacted me as I thought about that. Then I started to think about this story as I was preparing for this message. And again, this is how I sensed the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and convicting me. Well, you know, first of all, I saw myself as the priest that just wanted to walk by and not care and say it's not my problem. I wanted to have this excuse. You know whose fault this is? This is the Catholics' fault. They did the residential schools. I'm a Protestant. I'm an evangelical. I'm a Mennonite brethren. It's not my responsibility. I don't have to care. I had that attitude and I was convicted that I was the priest in the story. And then the Levite. The Levite also walked by and wanted to say, it's not my problem and I identified with the Levite by thinking, you know, I want to blame the government. It's the government's fault. They did the residential schools. They did all these injustice things. These things happened in the past. It's colonialism. has nothing to do with me and my family and my upbringing and my... I, it, it's not my problem. And I could see that attitude in myself as well. It's hard to look into one of Jesus' parables and see yourself as the villain rather than the hero, and to see your attitude exposed. You know, I thought about the Good Samaritan, but I would like to be the Good Samaritan. And as I thought about my response as a follower of Jesus, you know, like many of us, when we hear this kind of tragic news, we may feel so powerless to know what to do, how to respond. And yet as followers of Jesus, do we have any choice but to care? but to be broken. When I listened to the news conference the morning that this news broke, one of the indigenous leaders just simply said, he said, you know, for all of you listening today, we're not looking for your pity. We're just asking for your understanding. And that hit me so much as just the least that I could do. is to be someone that walks in understanding, but as a follower of Jesus, to be someone that cares and has compassion. And so that's how the Holy Spirit spoke to me and allowed me to hold up the mirror of a parable and see myself in that story. So I encourage us all, as we go through this summer of parables, and we'll have the mirror held up to our lives, will we have the courage to look into the mirror of these parables and see who Jesus may be pointing out that we are. And walk with open hearts. Walk with humble hearts. You see, people missed the kingdom because they got entrenched in a position. And they lost the humbleness and the openness of their hearts to the ways of Jesus, to the uniqueness of Jesus. And I pray that our heart postures will continue to be open Continue to be humble as we walk with Jesus and especially as we walk with Jesus in these very confusing and troubling times. Why don't you bow in prayer with me as we respond to the Spirit of God. I'll ask the worship team to come. Let's pray together. So Spirit of God, I pray that as you spoke to me, that you will speak to each of us in unique ways as we open ourselves to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your incredible stories. These parables that illustrate and show your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that we will not miss seeing what you want us to see. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you will reveal your truth in our lives through these parables. Lord, I pray that we will be able to look intently into the perfect law that brings freedom, as your word says. So, Lord, we lay our hearts before you. Soften our hearts. Open our hearts. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.